time this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity of gathering as your church. Um, God, I ask that you would give us a powerful time here this morning. Uh, I realize that we have many needs and many distractions, and yet, uh, God, you brought us here this morning to feed us from your word. I pray that that would be true, and I pray that uh, each of us would see our individual responses as part of what you're doing here in this place. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I heard of a, a young college student on campus uh, trying to be different and unique and uh, make his statement to the world. And he made a sign and he was carrying it around on campus that said, uh, yes to Jesus, no to church, no to church. And I think that we can all relate to that to some degree or another where we have maybe said, yeah, I want a relationship with Christ, but I could really do without the whole church thing. That we are not uh, people that really need to be with other people. It's just easier uh, to work with ourselves. I, I don't play well with others. Maybe you're that kid uh, that says, you know, I just like to be by myself with my stuff and in my area. And the way of being with people is not for me. Uh, probably three or four months ago now, we um, were able to talk about being sheep, uh, having a relationship with the shepherd, and, and how all that worked together. How many of you were there when I, I preached on sheep and shepherding? Well, this is kind of part two of that. And uh, my message this morning is about what we are to be individually so that we would be part of God's flock, God's flock. There's a few things that prop up in my mind. Uh, I realize that, that some of us don't see the necessity for this. In fact, we love being anonymous Christians, unconnected to uh, a local church and not really in uh, any type of accountable relationship with anybody. Uh, just like to slip in the back and, um, you know, Days like today are kind of rough because uh, there's not as many people here. And so they're like, oh, people are going to see me and know me. I'm reminded of a, a, a movie I saw in grammar school. And I don't know, uh, it, it was a great movie, great movie. I, I don't know if you can get a copy of this today, but it was, I think it was called The Running of the Lemmings. And uh, it was this really great movie where they had this little animal that they called a lemming, and it looked like a little gopher or a you know, little rodent of some sort. And it, it pops out of the ground and starts running, and then others pop, and it gets to this huge frenzy where these hundreds of lemmings are just running, and they're just running, and all of a sudden the lead one goes off the cliff, the rest of them follow and they show them dashed upon the rocks, dead on the ground here. They don't show type of movies like this in grammar school like they did when I was a kid. Maybe they should. I don't know. Uh, but I thought of that and I thought, you know, these are so, some of the dangers in the church. The dangers if individuals don't play their role. I think of other things when I think of animals that... Um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, if you have uh, seen this before, but and maybe I'm the worst one to talk about this, but this is one of those things where you have a, a healthy group of animals. They're all healthy. They're all together. And then you have one that's sick. 
one that's sick and and he sneezes on people he coughs on them he uh uh drinks out of their food and or, or eats out of their food and then passes those germs and then all of a sudden everyone's sick everyone's sick and where how did it come from it came from the one entering that uh sickness into the group of animals the last picture i have that i think about is that when animals are hungry and they go into a place and and one would see a particular poisonous plant and it just looks good to eat and so they begin eating and all the rest of them pile in and they they push it and shoving to eat more and yet in the end it's something that will make them sick this morning i i have for you really seven things seven individual things that we need to do that we would be the kind of sheep that live within the flock, within the flock. The first one, the first one, and if you're taking notes, they're going to be long and hard to write, so good luck to you. (laughs) Number one, train your ears to listen for the shepherd's voice exclusively. Train your ears to listen for the shepherd's voice exclusively. In John chapter 10, it's an important passage when you talk about sheep and the shepherd. And starting in verse 2, I'll, I'll like to read the first cup, uh, 2 through 4, and then I'll skip down to verse 14. But I think it's important for us to see this relationship that we have with the shepherd. Verse 2 says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep Hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Skipping down to verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Do you see that relationship with the the shepherd and the sheep? And I get this picture. Uh, what is so important in this passage is the voice, the voice of the shepherd. The voice calls out to the sheep, and the sheep, identifying that as their shepherd, they respond. And they have that relationship of, of being spoken to and hearing. I think about the reality of this life that there are many different voices that we hear, hopefully not just in your head. But you hear voices, right? People calling out to you saying, this is what you need to be doing. This is what's important in life. This is what your priorities, where you should spend your money, where you should spend your time, your energy, your life. This is where to spend it. And yet Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know me, and I know them. Uh, and, and they hear my voice, and they respond, they follow. Do you get that? You see, if you're going to live as a sheep in the flock, you need to be ready to identify the voice of Jesus. You need to be able, in the midst of this loud, chaotic calling to your life, you need to be able to discern, that's Jesus, that's not That's what's healthy for me. That's where God wants me to be. This is not. The first part of of us 
coming together as his flock is that we would be able to hear the voice of Jesus exclusively and follow him as he has relationship with us. It's his voice we should jump to, uh, not the many other voices that are calling out to us. Number two, number two, don't have a mind of your own, but have the mind of the shepherd. Don't have a mind of your own, but have the mind of the shepherd. I think if uh, most of us would be honest, we would pride ourselves in having a mind of our own. That we are people who don't go with the crowd. That we think for ourselves. And we have powerful opinions and thoughts that, that guide us and, and, and instruct where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing. And yet, as, as I've shared, you know, we are not to have a mind of our own, but the mind of the shepherd. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, talking about this transition from a life without Christ to a life with Christ, um, it shares with us this same important teaching. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, or foolishness. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. It puts in stark contrast our life apart from Christ, doesn't it? The natural man, the one who's looking at life and spiritual things, and they just don't get it. They just don't understand. Why is that? Because they don't have the mind of Christ. Why is it that, that they would look upon the things that are treasured and they say, oh, it's, it's foolishness, it's ridiculous? Because they don't have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. And I want us to not talk about this mindless world out there who's lost and perishing. I want to talk about us. What were you apart from Christ? You were that natural person who who looked at the world and you saw foolishness where it's a treasure, right? And so I want us to, to understand that living within the flock, it's not about us having a mind of our own but to have the mind of Christ, to have the mind of Christ. That's what he saved us for. In fact, that mind that you had apart from Christ, where did that place you? Where did that get you? It messed you up. It destroyed your life. It sent you down a path of destruction. It still haunts you today, doesn't it? I think sometimes we look at... uh, our personality, and we like to distinguish uh, our personality as being something somewhat neutral. Is it? Is it? Is our personality, that, that thing that we were born with that makes us us, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Some of us are so worried about being someone different, and yet, what is this passage tells us that we are no longer living with the natural mind that we had, but the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. 
Are we driven by our personality? Are we driven by the mind of Christ, the new mind he has given us? You see, living in the flock, living in the flock, what's necessary is that we would think, that we would decide, that we would look at life through the mind of Christ. Thirdly, eat when you are fed. Eat when you are fed. Uh, when do you like to eat, by the way? When do you like to eat? I, I, I hate to say this at a time like this, you know, it's Sunday morning. On command, right? Eat on command. That's why fast food's so great, isn't it? You know, you go there at 2.30 in the afternoon, you know, what will they serve you? Whatever you order. Yeah, supersized, like it, you know. I, I remember being in college and uh, In-N-Out was open late and uh, I made sure that it was good. It was good that it was open late. You know, we'd sit there and we'd just say, Mom wouldn't approve of this, but she's not here right now. And, and this is what I wanted to eat. I want to eat now. There's a sense in which that, that we, we love that personal thing, that we get what we want when we want it. And yet, if you look at the Scripture, if you look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, uh, verse 42, an important verse when it, it talks about the, the initial church, how they got together and what did they do? How did they meet together? What does it say? Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. <clears throat> Let me ask you, what gathered them together? It, it's sometimes interesting, um, and I'll say this pretty plainly this morning. The, the original church and those early churches, when they got together, they, they focused on the apostles' teaching. What was that? It was what they had been given that was inspired by God, both the apostles' writings to them personally, as well as the prophets, and them sorting that throughout and, and understanding the mind of God. Okay, that's what they did. I, I want to be clear with you this morning and say that that's still our purpose today. As we gather together, we come to hear what God has spoken through His men. Now, why come here? That's a very valid question. That's a valid question. Why you would come here this morning. Um, there's better preachers that you could have heard this morning. There is. I'm not being humble by that. There's, there's preachers I would rather listen to than myself. Okay? If I had my choice, I would be listening to Dr. Jeremiah this morning. Um, and, and yet, why shouldn't we do that? Why, why shouldn't we all just stay home? Why shouldn't we uh, just go into our computer and just listen to our favorite sermon that week and it, 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 would, say, it would go green, right? It would be going green. There's no uh, gas to be, uh, you know, we'd, we wouldn't, you know, waste all this money and it would just be simpler. Wouldn't it be a good idea if we didn't meet together but we just heard preaching wherever? Better preaching, better preaching. What is it about this time? What is it about gathering as his church? I think it's interesting. It doesn't just say they heard the apostles' teaching and that's why they met. But it says, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
You see, what happened was it wasn't just simply a lecture. It wasn't simply a, a data dump. It, was, it wasn't just simply let me teach you something. It was that it was an interaction. And you know what's amazing about this? And maybe you don't understand this because you're not a preacher and there's plenty of things about your life that or what you do that I wouldn't understand. But when, when we prepare, when what happens here, whether it be me or anybody else, this is what happens. During the week, we're thinking about what we're going to uh, teach on. And we're asking God, God, you know, what does this passage mean? What would you like me to say? How does this all come together? And so there's a relationship with God, with the preacher. And yet, it doesn't stop there. There's a relationship with the preacher and the people. You know what's interesting? I went to Dr. Jeremiah's church down in San Diego. It was great. It was great. We sat up in the balcony. And uh, he didn't even know I was there. That was the crazy thing. I probably should have stood up and said something. But um, this is what the beauty of the local church is. The beauty of the local church is that we know each other. That it's not just a mindless a meaningless group of people, numbers out there. There's people's lives. And, and there's something uh, significant about me knowing you and you knowing me. But even more than that, but that, that somehow we are together as God's church. We've, we have a history. We have a future. We have today. And guess what? This is an event. It's a meal. And, and, and you say, well, what if it's not what I like? It doesn't matter what you like. Because God has given you this meal today for you to eat. What's amazing is that that God has intended for you to hear from His Word today, right now. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I was telling Rebecca this morning, um, you know, I was excited about my message, and I said, ah, it snowed, and, you know, there's not going to be as many people there. And yet, you know, that's just man thinking, Right? You know who came today? Everyone that God intended to. Every single one of them. And and that should excite us. That this meal is for us. That God has prepared for you something to eat for this week. See, that's what it is to be a part of the flock. It's easy to look over there and say, well, I wish I was over there or I wish I was a part of this or that. And I don't really like the place, but this is where God has you in his flock. So eat when you're fed. Fourth, uh, fourthly, don't wander off or run away. Don't wander off or run away. <laughs> As I was considering the scripture and thinking through uh, this uh, idea that we're not to wander off or run away. I want to be honest with you. Few, few of God's sheep run away. Few. They don't run away. There's not a sense of bolting. Most of the time, it's a wandering away. A wandering away. It's a straying just a little bit. It's kind of kind of getting out there, away from the flock. and I can still see them. You know, and then getting further and further till finally you can't find your way back home. The passage I'm going to read to you is just one of many areas. Uh, 
How does one wander away? What is it that tempts and entices them? There's many in the scripture. There's many things that we could talk about that entice us to wander away. Uh, This one is money. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 is money. And uh, it's the same process, I think, with all of our temptations. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6 starting at verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Money. It's the call of it, right? It's the idea, hey, hey, you, you need this. You, you need this. There's, there's money to be made. And, and what happens, and it happens to all of us to differing degrees, we make choices. And money is one of those things that says it's mostly through job and career, right? That's most of the time what, what draws us away. It says, hey, um, you got to work. Hey, you can make more money if you pull a few overtime shifts. Hey, uh, there, there's, there's a sense if you do this, you'll be able to have what you want to have. And there's a sense in which we put being part of the flock, being part of where God wants me to be, that healthy place, and we say, ah, but if I just give up this, I'll have an opportunity to make more money. Ah, if I, I do this, I'll be able to enjoy this kind of pleasure and this kind of uh, luxury. And, but, but I'll have to give up. Yeah, it's okay. I'll just take a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And what happens? Wander off. Wander off. It happens with many other things. Uh, any kind of uh, pleasure and, and any kind of um, pride. I, I think oftentimes pride gets in our way. Pride calls to us and say, hey, you can do this. You can accomplish this. People will think you're awesome and amazing, but you have to give up this, being part of the flock. This point uh, this morning is uh, don't wander off or run away, but there's a, a secondary one that I want you parents to hear and grandparents as well. Nor your little lambs. Nor your little lambs. I think about this often um, as... I am a parent. Uh, I'm a retired youth pastor. I'm looking for the pension for that, by the way, you know, or at least some Medicare or something like that. Uh, I, you know, I'm right in the thick of thinking about that. And, And I think about sheep and little lambs. And have you ever seen that in the field? There's a beauty to that, right? And where we used to live up in the North Bay, there were tons of uh, areas where they had uh, sheep and lambs. And it was always beautiful. And you know where the lambs stay? <laughs> right by their mama. <laughs> they connect with them. And there, there's a sense of like, they'll wander off a little way, but there's a sense of if I'm close enough to mama, I'm going to be okay. And, and I, I want you to get this, that it is important for you personally not to wander away from the flock. Why? Because that's where God wants to protect you. That's where he has you. But it's not good enough for you to say, well, I'm taken care of. Yeah, but my kid's got a lot of things going. No, no. 
I'm a parent. I struggle with all these things. Um, I have three, three superstar baseball players that are going to go pro anytime soon here. <laughs> like, like I, you know, I, I, I like watching Major League Baseball, and I'm thinking, you know what? I could see my sons playing for the Red Sox. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't it, Mark? Yeah. He, he, I bet you you'd even cheer for the Maybe. I don't know. But, but I think about things like that in my crazy parent world. You know, I'm thinking, they're awesome. Baseball season's coming up. And I'm going, you know, where am I going to be? Where, where are my kids going to be? And you know where my kids are going to be? Wherever their dad is. They're, they're going to they're gonna look to me. They're going to look to me. And they say, what, are you, what do you value? What's important to you? Where where you want to want to be? You know, and it, it comes. I, some of you are like, "How stupid is that?" Baseball, you know. We have conflicting things because you know what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Little league season's coming up. Uh, they're going to have to practice, right? Because you have to practice to be awesome, as my kids are. Um, so, so what, what are they going to say? They're going to say, "Hey, you have practice Thursday afternoon for, until five thirty, right?" But but you know what? The, my kids go to school too. And the teachers don't care anything about Little League, which is crazy to me. And so they're going to give a truckload of homework, right? Right? Are you with me? Are you following me? So you got up to 5.30. You got a truckload of homework. What happens at 6.30? Yeah. Middle school youth group's coming up. And so I'm going, there are three things, and we only have time for 1.5 of them. What's going to happen here? You know, talk to me. You know, this is, this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. My kids are smarter than everybody else, so they got to, you know, do, do that. They're better baseball players, but they also need to hear what Brandon's going to share with them. What am I, how am I going to do this? It's not going to work. My responsibility as a parent is to make sure I don't wander from the flock of God, and nor should my little lambs either. This is the most important thing for us, is to see where we are, the, the place that God has, has us. And, and let, me, let me explain this to you. Um, this sounds self-serving, right? Because we're going to grow a big church here. We're going to have 10 services, and we're going to have a youth ministry of 10,000 kids, right, Brandon? And, and we're just going to have all this. Our budget's going to explode, and, and just this is all going to be awesome, this is all going to be awesome. You know what? This doesn't have anything to do with growing a bigger church. This doesn't have anything to do with us being awesome pastors and God doing a great work. You know what it has everything to do? Your own safety and the safety of your kids. It's good for you. It's good for you. You picture, what is that picture of wandering off? Why should a sheep not wander off? Because it'll hurt the feelings of the shepherd? Because it'll make the party smaller in the flock? No. Because when they're out there, they're unprotected and at risk of many, many things. This is a safety place for us. Don't wander off, nor your little lambs. Number five. No biting, pushing, running over, or anything else that is not nice. 
Okay, you got that? No biting, pushing, pushing over. I, actually, I said that wrong. No biting, pushing, running over. That's one of my favorites, running over, or anything else that is not nice. Um, God did not call us to be chickens. I just want to tell you that. We just got some chickens at our house. And um, they don't have any sense of manners to them. And when we put the food there, you know, uh, they, they don't go, oh, well, why don't you go first? There's a sense of, oh, the door is open. Let me let you go first. But no, they're stepping on each other. They're pushing each other. They're pecking at each other. And yet in the church, it, it, there's so many verses about this. I, I struggled to narrow it down to just two, but I have two for you this morning. Colossians chapter 3. We'll get there in the next few months. Colossians chapter 3. But listen to our relationship within the church. Verse 12 says this, Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let me ask you a question. Are those characteristics that we should display towards God? Read them again, okay? God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. No. That has nothing to do with our relationship with God. It has everything to do with our relationship with one another. You know what? God doesn't need us to be kind to Him. There's not a sense of us showing Him compassion and mercy, you know. God, you just didn't cut it, and you know I know you've offended me. No, there's no sense of that whatsoever. In fact, as the passage goes on, verse thirteen, bear with each other. That sounds more like my church. Bear with with each other, and forgive one another. If anyone you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Um, There's a tendency, um, when someone hits you, what do you want to do? Some of you are a little slow on that. And I know you, maybe you haven't hit somebody in a long while, but you know the feeling, don't you? Someone's mean to you, you want to be mean back. Someone says something unkind, you want to bite them. Hopefully you haven't bit anybody recently, but you, you have that feeling of like, They've done something unkind. I want to do something unkind to them. In the church, it's unacceptable. It has nothing to do with flock living, right? In fact, quite the opposite. You know, uh, how, how does this work? How does this passage work? How can we be kind, compassionate, patient? How can we bear with one another and forgive one another? How? how what does it say? How can we do this? It's real simple. It's not on the basis of our relationship It's on the basis of this relationship, ours with God. How can we forgive? Because he forgave us. You say, oh, people are so mean to me. Yeah, let's not even talk about that. You are mean to people. You are. You are unkind. You are selfish. You are are people just concerned about what. Why is that? Why is that? Is because we're, we're dragging around the sinful flesh. And so in the church, in the church, in the flock to have a healthy relationship, don't be like that. 
but use the example of your relationship with God. Make that be the standard by which you dole out kindness to one another. There's no uh, acceptable response of being unkind to other people in the church. I know you feel it. I, I, I know you sense it. Maybe some of you are even offended this morning. Someone didn't say hi to you. Someone said an unkind word. They were trying to be funny, but instead they were mean. Hurt your feelings. Maybe somebody lied to you this morning in the church. Could have happened. You know, someone said something and they didn't want to talk to you, so they just lied about something that went on. All those things could have happened. So what should you do? No biting. Pushing, shoving, kicking. None of those things, but be nice. Why? Be kind to one another. Show grace. Why? Because God has shown you grace, the person of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Uh, I don't have a meter to tell if this is really true, but I think the, the majority of sin that happens in the church comes out of our mouths. Our mouths. And in this passage, verse four, verse 29, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. But, but instead, what kind of talk should come out of our mouths? That which is for building up, building up. And so before you talk, forget about speaking your mind, okay? Not that good. We've already talked about that, right? Mind of Christ, not, not our own mind. Don't worry about sharing your opinion or your ideas. Don't worry about that within the church. Worry about this. Is what I'm going to say, is what I'm going to say going to build up this flock? Is it going to build up those who hear? Is it going to strengthen our flock, the flock that we are a part of? This should be our question. Be nice to the other sheep. We are all the flock. Um, I, I think we've done this at home, right? Where we thought we were, you know, we were frustrated and we were grumpy and we came home and we're like, people are just going to have to deal with me tonight. Somebody says something to you and you snap at one of your kids. You say an unkind word to your wife. And pretty soon, you know, Everyone's grouchy in your whole family. And everyone's unhappy. We sent a funk throughout our home. And let me ask you a question. Is that good for you? Is that good for you? No. What happens is that we are with our words, with the way we act, we are to be a strengthening force within the flock. Number six. Number six. Do not think about your needs, but the needs of the flock. Do not think about your needs, but the needs of the flock. That sounds so wrong, doesn't it? That, that sounds so wrong, especially when it comes to feeding time, right? Now, if it, some of you who are only children, you, you're at a strict disadvantage for understanding this, you know. Um, you know, if, if, I remember... Uh, being with Todd Ferris, one of the pastors here uh, many years back. And uh, he, he was, he, he was, we were looking at a plate of brownies in the office. Someone had brought those in and there were uh, one or two left. And I can't remember. And he goes, 
And, and he says, my instinct as a, one of three boys is to grab both of them. You know, he says, because there's a sense in which if you don't grab both with both hands, you're not going to get that second one. And you really want the first one and the second one. And how you got to plan for these things. And if you eat it, I'm not going to be able to eat it. This is real simple, isn't it? We all understand this kind of thinking. And yet the scripture tells us not to think of our own needs, but the needs of others. Look at where it says it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you should look to the interests of others. You see, in the flock, what matters most is not that you get your needs met, but that you're looking from side to side and you're saying, are your needs being met? How can I meet your needs? How can I take care of you? And you say, this doesn't make sense because if I'm busy taking care of everyone else's needs, how are my needs going to be met? Because my needs are huge right now. I'm feeling this way. I I, I got this need and I got this life event. I I can't be taken care of. Somebody needs to take care of me. And yet the the genius and the, the beauty of the flock is this, that God calls us to take care of one another take care of one another. All the while, all the while, where he is looking over us and saying, I will take care of you. I will take care of all your needs. I'm watching out for you. Isn't that beautiful? That there's not a sense of lack when we take care of the needs of others. There's a sense of God blessing us even more. I find it interesting how, how we do this, these taking care of these needs. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, <coughs> a passage or verse that I've been thinking about a lot lately, it says this, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. This is one of my favorite uh, counseling verses and really shepherding verses because what it says is there's really at least three different types of people that you deal with differently. First one being this. There's some that are spiritually lazy. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And what are we to do? We're to admonish them. Get up. get, Get busy. It's important. Let's get busy. The second group is the faint hearted, the faint hearted, maybe the discouraged and there's a sense of we need to treat them in a special way as well. We're to look to them and, and to care, care about them in such a way that we would encourage them to, to keep going, to cheer them on. And in the last group, it says, help the weak, help the weak. There's some that are just crippled from the things of life and they're unable to take care of themselves. And so we're to help them. It's sometimes hard to discern which, which is which, right? But what does it say? What does the last part of this verse say? Be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. I want to tell you, in in the flock, there's a sense in which we don't get what we want. We just don't get what we want. And why is that? It's real simple. It's because there there are some that are weak. There are some that are lazy. There are some that are just discouraged. And they're slowing us down. They're slowing us down. 
But what does it say with all? Be patient. Be patient. And, you know, when you hear that word patient, you say, but I don't want to be patient. Mommy, I want it now. Uh, There's that sense in which that I don't want to wait for anybody. I don't want to care about anybody. But I want to tell you, that's not living in the flock. That's not living where you need to be. That's not part of what God has planned for you. Is that we are to look to the needs of others, being patient with all. Patient. Last, my last point, number seven. Be thrilled to be part of the flock. Be thrilled to be part of the flock. Um, I want to back up again, and I want to make this point again. I'm not talking about this universal church that never meets. I'm not talking about just being saved here. I'm talking about the local church. You know, uh, some people get, get that whole idea. Yeah, I totally have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a part of his church. I'm just not going to any church, no local church. There's no sense of, you know, I'm a part of his church that's going to be uh, taken up to heaven, but I'm not a part of this mess down here, you know. And what I'm telling you is be thrilled that you can be a part of this mess down here. Be thrilled. Be thrilled. You know, uh, um, I think confession, you know, I'm not going to make you confess and I'm not going to confess to you either. But when you woke up this morning, uh, were you pumped to come to church? I mean, were you pumped? Were you saying, I can't wait to go to church today. I just can't wait can't believe that I get to go to church today. I can't, and, and not just go to church, but I can't wait to go to Bear Valley Church. I'm so excited to be a part of Bear Valley Church. And as I'm saying that, you're going, come on, Kevin, now you're, now you're getting a little crazy with us here. Bear Valley Church? I mean, Kevin, you know, it, you know, we're a walking mess sometimes, right? You know that. Don't you? Why would we be so excited to be a part of Bear Valley Church? Real simply, real simply. Let me share it with you. It's in Acts chapter 20. <coughs> Acts chapter 20. And this um, is throughout the scriptures, once again, this is just one particular passage that I have uh, chosen to talk about this. He's talking about elders. Uh, it's the idea of uh, Paul now sharing with uh, elders about taking care of the church. And this is what it says. Verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or elders. And then he says this, Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Which he bought with his own blood. Let let those words just resonate in your heart right now. What was the cost of bringing you in to this church this morning? Somebody say, well, it was the heating bill, it was, you know, this, it was that. No, no, no. Set all those things aside because they're not even worthy to be talked about at a time like this. What was the cost of gathering you and protecting you into his flock? What, what was the cost? The blood of his own son. The blood of Jesus that's brought us here. And, and it's an extravagant gift that's, that, that's so amazing. There's nothing to compare it to. There's no sense of like saying, oh, it's kind of like, because there is no kind of like here. Why should we be thrilled to be a part? Because the cost was so great. 
It was the cost of his son. Your entrance into the church that we could meet, be protected like this, was the cost of Jesus. And, And really the last part of that, the second part of that is that how worthy of a recipient were you of this gift? You know, if we're starting a club here and we're going to say only the ones worthy of the blood of Jesus could be a part of Bear Valley Church. No reason to even have a building for that one, right? You know, uh, that's not a virtual church. That's a hypothetical church, right? It doesn't exist. It's only in someone's dreams and thoughts because none of us are worthy. And that's why this morning, as we look at being part of the flock of Jesus here in this place, that we should be thrilled, even with all our problems, our warts, even with all our, our uh, you know, not being all that we need to be, even with all that, we should be thrilled to be a part of the flock of God here in this place. This is uh, just a few things of what it means to be part of the flock. Don't worry about yourself, but think about what does it mean for God to have me in this flock here in this place. God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and the amazing plan that here in your church that you would love us so much that you would buy us, uh, you would free us, you would... Uh, change us, that we can be part of your flock. God, I pray that you would get our eyes off ourselves and ask the question over and over again, what's best for the flock? What would you have us do? God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. Encourage us with these words uh, from your Holy Spirit in such a way that is honoring to you and that would change us, that would feed us for this week. We thank you in Jesus' name.